0: Please turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and when you found 2 Corinthians chapter 3 in your Bibles, if you would uh, maybe put a bookmark or some kind of ribbon in it, because we'll be going between this passage and 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and also another passage, Hebrews chapter 8, Hebrews chapter 8. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and Hebrews chapter 8. As we once again for this second part compare uh, this one covenant of grace, but spread out over two testaments or two administrations of this one covenant of grace. And before we read our, our two texts from Scripture, um, it's important that we point out what we're doing here this evening, because this is a, a second part, really, of what we began two weeks ago. And the first part of this, um, what's called one covenant of grace, two testaments. In the, in the last part, we were looking at what was the same. And this time, we're going to be looking at what is, well, what is different. What is different between the Old and the New Testaments. And it is the topic that is found in question 32 to 35 the Westminster Larger Catechism. which is mainly what we're focusing on in here this evening. It's important that we realise the function of the catechisms in our church and for any confessional church, the, the catechisms the, and the confessions of faith. This is not the Bible, however, they are an authority. They are under the Bible, but they are an authority on which we have, uh, which we are to submit to. This is re- essentially the teaching of our church. And essentially what we believe is the, the Westminster Confession of Faith, when, uh, the, the, the larger catechism, the shorter catechism, that this is what the Bible teaches. If we find that the Bible teaches something else, the Bible is our final authority. And we're not preaching from the catechism. We're really preaching from the Bible, which here in these passages we're going to look at teaches the same topic from these questions that we're looking at. So that's very, very important that we we know that as we look at this topic, because it's such an important topic, because it's a difficult topic. I think we all have to acknowledge that. It's a difficult topic, and it's a topic that usually will take us many years to get better at, but it's important that there's a sense in which we're just as, as comfortable in the Old Testament as we are in the New. That might seem like a world away at this point. But that is really where we ought to strive to get to. Um, two weeks ago, we looked at how it's the same God, the same gospel, all the New Testaments, the same people, really. Uh, in, in There was one nation, but that nation now has the Gentiles outside of the nation of Israel grafted in by faith into that one people. The, the same substance that is Christ in the Old and New Testaments, who we trust in and put our faith in. It's important as we go on to the differences between the Old and New Testament that we don't lose sight of the similarities between them. There is a great degree of what we call continuity. There's a great degree of something that does not change. However, we will be looking at what is different. There is obviously differences. If you sing through the Psalter, you're going to see references to sacrifice of animals. Uh, You're going to see... um, references in the Old Testament to incense. Um, And you might wonder, well, why don't we do these things anymore? Well, we're going to be looking at that here this evening because um, we have to realize that that was part of a temple worship that is gone now. And the the veil has been rent through Christ. The incense is gone. The, The musical instruments associated with the temple is gone. The showbread is gone. But what has replaced it is something far greater and far more clearer and joyful that we will see, Lord willing, here this evening. So let us begin our reading now of God's holy and infallible word, 2 Corinthians chapter three, and afterwards we'll look at Hebrews chapter eight. Let us hear God's word. Do we begin again to commend ourselves or do we need, as some others, epistles of commendation, to you or letters of commendation from you you are our epistle written in our hearts known and read by all men clearly you are an epistle of Christ ministered by us written not with ink but by the spirit of the living god not on table not on tablets of stone but on tablets of flesh that is of the heart and we have such trust through Christ toward god Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit, for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. But if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not stick, look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. But their minds were blinded, for until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament, because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image, from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord and we'll turn also to Hebrews chapter eight Hebrews chapter eight for a reading of God's holy and infallible word. Now this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest which is who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the Majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord erected and not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that this one also have something to offer. For if he were on earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve the copy and shadow of the heavenly things, as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said... See that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry, inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. Because, finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I will make with their fathers in that day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant, and I disregarded them, says the Lord, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor, and none his neighbor, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least of them unto the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. In that, he says, a new covenant he has made the first obsolete. Now, what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away, and may the Lord Bless the reading of his holy and his infallible word. Our God is gracious, loving, and he seeks to be known by us, his people. That is the very purpose in which he has given us a new heart to understand the things as he has shown us. And in doing so, in seeking for us to understand him, he has come down to our level. As one man put it, it's almost as if we're speaking uh, to a baby. You speak in a certain uh, simplified way so that the little child will understand. You know, you're talking to a baby, you're pointing at things, you may be making uh, different expressions that you wouldn't normally do with an adult. He comes down to our level and he speaks to us in pictures, in ways that we can understand. He comes down to us because we are creatures and God is not a creature. He speaks to us concerning himself who is not a creature. He is the infinite God. And what we're looking at here as we look at from the Old Testament to the New Testament, the church is going from young infancy to greater and greater and greater maturity. And as the church... From the old testament to the new testament grows in maturity it's the same truth it's the same god it's the same all the things we looked at 2 weeks ago it's just that how god deals with us or speaks to us is different in its outward expressions again it's not different gospel it's not a different way to be saved But there is something better here. As we read there in Hebrews chapter 8, there's something better going on here in the New Testament. Um, I suppose one way you could illustrate it is we can have a better conversation with our adult children than we could with them when they were two years old. It's probably maybe somewhat of a picture that we could look at there. Our conversation has become richer between the church and God, if you want to put it like that. Um, freedom, you could say, as well, from the outward heaviness of the ceremonies of the Old Testament. And they were there for a very good reason, to teach the, the church at a very young phase. But now as it grows in maturity, the same Savior, these things are no longer needed and they're removed away as time goes on. And the, the outward expressions change, but the same God, the same Savior, the same message and the same truth but what has changed from old to new is their greater inward blessings and we're going to look at that in a while paul wrote to the corinthians in, in chapter 13 verse 11 he said this and he, he was speaking about tongues he wasn't speaking about the old testament and new but tongues were there for a period of time and he used this illustration and he said when i was a child i spoke as a child i understood as a child And he's talking about the church, really. I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. So the church had certain building blocks, you could say, for a certain period of time. And then, as the church reaches further maturity, they are removed. Question 33 of the Westminster Larger Catechism says this. Was the covenant of grace always administered after one and the same manner? The covenant of grace was not always administered after the same manner. But the administrations of it under the Old Testament were different from those under the New. So we're going to look at that, how it's different. But it's different in a better way. We have to look at that. The Bible is very clear that what we have said goodbye to is, it's been better. You could put it like that. Things are getting better. And things will get better even in the future. In the new heavens and the new earth for the believer. So the first point we're going to look at is superior sight, superior sight. And again, we're going from Old Testament to New Testament. What is the difference between the Old and the New Testament? Our sight is superior. Why? Because the substance of the covenant has come the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 from verse 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 from verse 12. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech unlike Moses who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end which was passing away but their minds were blinded and until this day the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ and Christ is the one who brings in greater clarity greater sight now these people these people who are blind to what it says in the Old Testament they need Christ but it's Christ who brings in this greater clarity. There is really the same truth in the Old and New Testament. I think it's important that we point that out as well. Um, imagine before we turn on the lights in this room and you know the windows are open, there's a little light coming through, but you can just about see it. But if you're trying to get from the door over to here, you might trip over a few chairs to get here. The same chairs are there when you turn on the light. Oh, that's what I was tripping over. And really that's between the Old and the New Testament. The same things are there. It's just the light has been turned up a lot stronger. Because the substance of the covenant has come. The Lord Jesus Christ. He is the word made flesh. Greater clarity. Greater clarity from the time of Moses. They had the same spiritual food of course. But the light has been turned up. We can also look at the Trinity for example. There are passages in the Old Testament. Let us, let us, there's a plural there, make man in our own image. That's in Genesis chapter one, verse 26. Now we're not told of three persons. We're not told that extra layer of clarity. We were it hinted towards in various parts, but that truth is still there. We see parts where the angel of the Lord is called Jehovah, and we see Jehovah sending the angel of the Lord. And these things but it's not as clear in the old administration under Moses. In question 34 of the Westminster Larger Catechism, how was the covenant of grace administered under the Old Testament? It says this, the covenant of grace was administered under the Old Testament by promises, prophecies, sacrifices, circumcision, the Passover, and other types and shadows, which all for signified Christ then to come and were for that time sufficient to build up the elect in faith in the promised Messiah by whom they then had full remission of sin and eternal salvation. So there's a different administration. If you think of um, the Old and New Testaments as different administrations of the same covenant, There's, in the Old Testament, you'll have sacrifices. We don't have sacrifices anymore, but we have sacrifices to the praise of our lips. We read that in in our call to worship earlier on. They do point towards heavenly realities as well. These are things that, in one sense, are never dispensed with. The, The Old Testament points forward of the Christ who would come. The New Testament remembers the Christ who came and will come. Again, so as we go from the Old Testament to New Testament, there's greater light, there's greater clarity, there's superior sight. So when we go back to the Old Testament, we should have greater clarity in what it's saying because the New Testament will help us to read the Old Testament. By the way, we also need to read the New Testament in light of the Old Testament. We need to do kind of both. We need to compare Scripture with Scripture And we have a more fitting administration of the covenant since the substance has now come. Things have changed for a good reason. Um, Blood was sacrificed in the Old Testament. It would not be fitting if blood was continually sacrificed today uh, in any of the the types and the shadows because it would fundamentally deny the Christ who has come. Uh, It says this in question 35, how is the covenant of grace administered under the New Testament? Under the New Testament, Christ the substance is exhibited. Remember that word exhibited, pictured almost. The same covenant of grace was and still is to be administered in the preaching. Preaching of the word happened in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the administration of the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. These these are brought in the New Testament. In which grace and salvation are held forth in more fullness and evidence and efficiency to all Nations. I'll just give you one example. You think of um, circumcision is bloody. Baptism is just with water. Blood is not shed in baptism. And also you can think of Passover. Uh, there's, a lamb is killed. Blood is applied. But in the Lord's Supper, so much more simple. Uh, you have the bread and the cup. But what with, we also have to think of it as well. With greater sight comes greater responsibility. The more we've been given, the more light we've been given. And we have been given far more light than those in the Old Testament. Far more is expected of us. I always think about, you know, when we read about Peter. You know, Peter is known for putting his foot in his mouth many, many times, isn't he, in, in, in the New Testament. And I think we forget that Peter, and this is not to excuse what Peter did was wrong. There's no doubt about it when he denied the Lord and things like this. But this is before the New Covenant and you see a different Peter before Acts chapter 2 in Pentecost than after um, and I think of that as well because there's, we have a greater degree of the outpouring of the spirit of God in the New Testament we have a greater clarity Peter struggled with the idea that the Messiah would come and die Jesus had to say to get him, behind, get behind me, Satan. So that they, in order to be saved, it was the same savior, but we have so much more clarity today. And with that clarity comes responsibility. And uh, we need to think about that. We need to think about with what we've been given, more is expected of us. So number one, superior sight. Number two now, superior strength. Superior strength. In the new, in the new administration of the covenant of grace, It's not just that we have better spiritual glasses, if you want to put it like that, or that the light has been turned up. There's even more than that. We've been given greater measures of the Holy Spirit. Hebrews chapter eight quotes from Jeremiah 31. There's a section in Jeremiah 31 which Hebrews chapter eight quotes from. I'm just going to quote here from Jeremiah 31, 31 to 34. And because the Old Testament is looking forward to this new era, you could say, this new administration, and Jeremiah writes Behold the days are coming says the Lord when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt my covenant which they broke though I was a husband to them says the Lord but this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days says the Lord I will put my law in their in their minds and I write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother saying know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Now this is not an easy passage. It's it's been it's caused <laughs> different um trouble within the church over hundreds of years. But, well, let's look at something simple. There is something new spoken about. There's something Jeremiah is looking forward to. There's something that, the, that Paul, when he writes the Hebrews, is quoting from. Here is the new covenant. There's something new. Now, how are we to understand that newness? What's different? What's new? Now, there's two types of new. There's the new where, hey, I bought a new car. It's a completely different car. Uh, it's, the other car is sold it's different metal, different paint different steering wheel, different everything um, but there's also a newness that's talked about in the scriptures which is not completely brand new it's to do with you could say almost a freshness renewed superior to what it was before and that's actually the sense in which new covenant is here in this text. We can actually see it. In Hebrews chapter 8. Verse 13. Hebrews chapter 8. Verse 13 says this. In that he says. A new covenant. He has made the first obsolete. Now. What is becoming obsolete. And growing old. Is ready to vanish away. How is it better? One way in which it is better. Since the, days of Pent- since the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2 there's a greater degree of the outpouring of the spirit of God. Uh, Joel chapter two is quoted by Peter in Acts chapter two because there was this greater outpouring of the spirit of God looked forward to and Peter could see this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel and he quotes from Joel and then he talks about this greater outpouring of the spirit of God. We, isn't this an amazing thing to think about? Though Moses And Abraham, obviously they came to meet with God and things like this. But we have the blessings of a greater outpouring of spirit in our day. A greater outpouring of the spirit. In, In Acts chapter two, when this happened, in verses one to four, it says this, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and one sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And, and you see it throughout the book of Acts. Where did they go? They weren't timidly hiding in a room anymore. They were going towards the ends of the earth. But what happened? Did they, were they up in the upper room saying, lads, we've been here a bit too long, have we? Or did the Spirit of God fill them and change them and give them greater boldness? And they went and did what the Lord said that they would do, which was, more surely I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. is an amazing phrase that Jesus says there? Greater works. Now we can't do greater signs, miracles, and wonders, can we, than God? We can't. But what does he mean by greater works well think of how many people have come to know the Lord since the Lord's ascension what was it how many millions, tens of millions hundreds of millions greater in that sense we can't understand in terms of signs, miracles and wonders because Jesus walked upon the water and other things like that and he is true God but look at the expansion of the kingdom. Look at the tiny piece of land that the church was in at the first century. There was bits of Jews in other land in other places like Corinth, but by and large they were all confined to one area, which you had like about 120 in an upper room. Then the spirit goes forward. Peter preaches. What happens? Three thousand are added to the church. <laughs> what happens? It just overflows and overflows people who were once timid are no longer timid they're bold and they're full of zeal for the lord peter look bring up peter again peter goes from denying the lord to as many will attest that he died a pretty gruesome death most of the apostles bar john died gruesome deaths because they knew to live is christ but to die his gain. And they were just filled with that knowledge. And how is that possible? The spirit of God. So they were given superior strength. The difference between before Pentecost and after Pentecost, from the old administration of the covenant to the new administration of the covenant, the spirit of Almighty God. Greater, superior strength in the new covenant era. So superior strength. Now number three, we're going to look at superior splendor. Superior splendor or radiance or shine or glory. The Old Testament, we, we, we shouldn't speak down about the Old Testament as if there was something bad about the Old Testament. The, the Old Testament served a purpose. It was glorious. But when compared with the New something far more glorious we're being involved with even today. In verse 7, um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul is using this as an illustration to talk about how he could speak much more boldly than Moses could in the Old Testament. He's authenticating his ministry. People are questioning him and, and he's responding this way. But if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily on the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. And we know this from the Old Testament. There's He had to put a veil over his face, verse 8. How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory for even what was made. Glorious, had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. You see what he's saying? This was glorious. This was incredible. This was amazing. Mount Zion, uh, the, the thunder, lightning, everything that was happening with the old administration, incredible. But that passed away. That is obsolete. That is no more, never to be returned to again because the substance has come and if that was glorious, and it was, this is even better, far better. And it's far so outshines it because of Christ. The substance is coming because Christ has come. Greater glory. Greater life. Look at how many souls have been saved. Compare Old Testament and New Testament. How many souls have been saved in the Old Testament versus the New? Greater in the New Testament. Greater joys. Greater outpouring of the Spirit. Greater radiance. Greater shine in giving glory to God. There are believers all over the world. Uh, prior to Christ coming, this was not the case. There's, if you go through the Gospels, you'll struggle to even find a believer in Israel, in Judea. Now you see believers all over the world. It's incredible. Now, to some, when you look at the Old Testament, it may appear that the old is better. Look at all the ceremonies, it's incredible. Look at all the the external. Uh, And they might think, and you might think, looking at that, that the greater splendor, glory or radiance was really for the Old Testament. It's actually why the, largely why the book of Hebrews is written. Don't go back. There's other parts of Paul's letters written like that as well. There were times when certain things were accommodated. Titus was circumcised for various different reasons, but this was an area of this was an area of kind of transition between the old covenant and the new covenant. But there came a point where, okay, we're not going back now. To go back is really denying the substance that has come. The old administration had, as Paul writes in Second Corinthians, tablets of stone, uh, now greater inward. So greater outward in the Old Testament, now greater inward. tablets of flesh and the heart. You see, the greater degree of inward writing of the spirit means greater work of the spirit inwardly. And it also means for the outwards, there's going to be less of it. There's going to be less of it. Uh, Same with the Ark of the Covenant and the other outward forms. They have mainly the function of condemnation. Now, it's not the only function that they had. They thought other things. They pointed towards Christ who would come, the substitute. They would point towards his grace and his mercy. But it's not as obvious, is it? In the old covenant under Moses, it's not as clear and obvious, but there was grace and mercy in the old covenant. In the middle of the giving of the Ten Commandments, this is said in Exodus twenty, verse six. But showing mercy to thousands, and or no, to those who love me and keep my commandments. Now, this is not saying I will show mercy to those who obey me. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. It's either mercy or wages. And it can't be one or the other. The reason God has shown mercy to thousands of them that love me is because they've trusted in the seed of the woman who would come and crush the head of the serpent, promised all the way back to Genesis 3.50. And they would trust in the Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. So if we're comparing the two here, there's a greater emphasis, you could say, on death. And this is done really to compare one to the other. How do you compare things? It's so hard to compare. But this was likened to an administration unto death. And in the New Testament. Because it was so much greater. Because of the outpouring of the Spirit of God. It's like comparing life unto death. You see. Could you get much more different? Life and death. And they're so different from each other. That's the great, and the great difference between the Old and the New Testament. Again, it's not that there wasn't any grace in the New Testament. There was grace in the New Testament. It was a covenant of grace. But the differences were so different between them in terms of degrees, in terms of superiority, that it is almost, you could say, like comparing life to death. Greater freedom, um, greater life in Christ. Again, the Gentiles grafted into that one body. It says in verses 9 to 11 of chapter 3, verses 9 to 11 For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory, greater glory. The substances come pointing forward. Now, because the substances come, let's look at Hebrews chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. Hebrews chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. Now, this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest. Look, Old Testament language. And Jesus is that high priest, who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary. Again, this is Old Testament language, the Holy of Holies. And of the true tabernacle, which the Lord erected, and not man. So, there's a, there's a tabernacle which has been erected with hands where God dwelt in the Old Testament. Here now is what is called the true tabernacle, the spiritual tabernacle, in which Christ now is the high priest, whoever lives to intercede at the right hand of the majesty on high. Which, dear friends, do you think is better? The one that looks forward or the greater fulfillment of that reality? It says in John 1.17, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. May we be glad this evening for that greater glory, that greater splendor, that greater radiance of the new covenant. Finally, we're going to look at superior simplicity. Superior simplicity. So we've looked at sight, strength, splendor. Now we're going to look at simplicity. And there is a lightness of the new administration of the covenant. There is a degree of heaviness. Just read through your Old Testament. Did you ever kind of get a sense of, wow, they had to do all that? You read through Chronicles. It was like, wow, the Levites had to do that. Oh, they had had that job and they had to take care of that. That sounds complicated, doesn't it? Be honest. (laughs) You know, we do have moments like this. How do they remember all that? the lightness of the new administration of the covenant. So we are no longer under the same burden, you could say, of the outward. The law, even though it condemns, is still glorious. Now the problem, we have to make sure we have to be clear here. The, the, the law is not the problem. But there are certain laws that were given to Israel as a nation, to Moses, specifically to the nation of Israel, especially in Mount Sinai, that are done away with. There are certain laws that were given before Moses that have been substituted. Um, but what has been replaced is a greater outward simplicity. Whatever our views are going to be on worship. If, if our view of New Testament worship is more complicated than Old Testament worship, we're in trouble. There's a greater degree of simplicity and freedom in New Testament worship. An easy place to see this is going from Passover to the Lord's table. Look at the simplicity of the Lord's table. The, the bread and the cup set before the people versus the Passover. And seven days of unleavened bread. And all the Sabbaths that had to be. There was extra Sabbaths that were added on. To the law and the ceremonial law. Now we've returned to just the one Sabbath day. In seven. Part of the moral law. This outward simplicity brings such great blessings. It, It says in Colossians 2 verses 16 and 17. So let no one judge you in food or in drink. Or regarding a festival, that's like a holy day, or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Isn't that interesting? The substance has come. These things are pointed forward, and they are gone. Now, the reference there to Sabbaths is not talking about the the one day and seven Sabbath. That's talking about the extra Sabbaths added in the book of Leviticus, Part of the ceremonial law goes from one Sabbath and then there's many Sabbaths after that. But the substance is of Christ, the additional elements given to Israel. And we're not to go back. We're not to go back to the elements of temple worship. It says at the beginning of Hebrews chapter nine, just read one or two verses from the beginning of Hebrews chapter nine. Then indeed, even the first covenant had ordinances of divine service and earthly sanctuary. For a tabernacle was prepared, the first part in which was the lampstand, the table, and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And behold, the second veil, part of the temple, of the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all. And you see all these things being mentioned here. All the things that are part of the old Holy of Holies, the old sanctuary, the old. And this is all open to us now. The veil has been rent in two. And then Christ has made the way open into that. Who do you think is the greater blessing? The Old Testament high priest or us? It's clearly the New Testament believer who can come into the presence of Christ. And also when we think of all the elements, all the elements of worship that were if, we, if you look at around and all the elements that were brought in, the showbread and everything else, the lampstands, and all the things that were commanded of the Levites and others. If any of these things came back, when they were there at the time, they were very heavily regulated. just give you one example from the Old Testament. 2 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 25, and he stationed the Levites in the house of the Lord with cymbals, with strings, instruments, and with harps according to the commandment of David, of, God, of Gad, the, seers, uh, the king's seer, and of Nathan the prophet, for thus was the commandment of the Lord by his prophets. And you can go on as well and look at other things, and they're called the instruments of David, the king of Israel. Whatever was done in the Old Testament It was by explicit command by God. Nothing else could be done. Anything else would have brought down the wrath of God as Nadab and Abihu discovered when they offered strange fire before the Lord in Leviticus chapter 10 verses 1 to to 3. And there's no indication that Nadab and Abihu had any malicious intent in their offering of strange fire before the Lord. They changed something. We don't... We're not told exactly what they changed. They changed something in the mixture, offered on fire, and it brought the Lord's displeasure. He did not consume the sacrifice. He consumed them. Worship is a serious thing, dear friends. But the great blessing in the New Testament here is that there's less, there's less to think about. Sacrifices, incense, showbread, lampstands, musical instruments, all these things Gone. Done away with. The temple is gone. In Christ, it's all in him. How much, you know, if, if somebody has a very complicated job, and how stressful that is. Versus if you have a very easy job and you know exactly what you're doing. Which is better? The greater, and we've also got a greater degree, we've got a greater degree of simplicity in the new covenant era. We've also got a greater degree of knowledge. I will put my laws in their mind and write them in their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor and none his brother saying, know the Lord. Now this is not saying, look, everybody's going to know God and you don't have to teach anybody anything. That's clearly not a possible interpretation of that. But what it is talking about, because in context, there's going to be a greater degree of knowledge than there was in the New Testament. How much better is that liberty in Christ? How much better is it to live in the new covenant era? There were, in Acts chapter 15, there were some who wanted to go back to the the, the, the circumcision and elements in in the law of Moses. And Peter said this to them, Acts chapter 15, verse 10. Now therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? We can learn from the Old Testament types and shadows. We should learn from the types and shadows of the Old Testament. But we do not go back to them because Christ the substance has come. Greater freedom, greater joy, greater inward blessings. This is a challenging topic, dear friends. And if you're still scratching your heads, don't worry. Um, There are tremendous minds in the church who've struggled with various passages we've looked at. It is not an easy topic, but it is a topic we all need to wrestle with because much of our understanding of the Bible lies in how do we view how the Old and the New Testament fit together. If we run away from the topic, we're going to have much of the Bible like a veil over it and we'll struggle with it. But if we interact with this, we will see Christ. Not just in the New Testament. We'll see him in Leviticus. We'll see him in Deuteronomy. We'll see him in the Psalms. We'll see him in Proverbs. He is uh, the wisdom talked about in Proverbs chapter 8. We'll see him in Genesis. Of the word of God who said, and let there be light and there was light. We'll see him where he is in the Old Testament. And when you get greater joy in reading the Old Testament and you see Christ, guess what? You'll want to read it more. You'll want to read it more. And it'll make you want to worship more. And there's so much truth that New Testament church needs in the Old Testament. However, we must not go back. We must go forward. Greater simplicity, greater joy, with a greater measure. Amen.